Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Jadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valliere. Uh, a couple of Monday night games a night ago. Um, two Monday week one always has two Monday night games. Steelers, Giants, uh, and then Titans, Broncos. Uh, kudos to anybody who stayed up late to watch these games. Uh, it was a couple of good games. I think the Steelers Giants sort of got out of hand late. Uh, crucial turnover by Daniel Jones. Uh, sort of cost the Giants to make a game out of it. Um, but I thought Titans-Broncos, while it was boring, it was competitive, and Tennessee won on a late field goal. It was very interesting. Uh, late battle of two interesting quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill and Drew Locke, uh, two guys who I think will be awfully good this season, especially Drew Locke. Ryan Tannehill led the NFL in passer rating a year ago. I had him ranked ranked as my number 11 quarterback entering this year. He threw for 249 yards and two touchdowns without a pick uh, in his season debut. And uh, I was impressed. I thought Ryan Tannehill looked good. Completed almost 30 passes against one of the better defenses in the NFL. And uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, let me start with this. Big story yesterday was not Tannehill. It wasn't Jones. Uh, it wasn't Roethlisberger, Drew Locke. It wasn't any of the quarterbacks. Uh, I think the big story was uh, the lack of production for Saquon Barkley. Now, you know, back in the day, running backs, and, and I'm talking back in the day, I'm talking about like more than 25 years ago. Before quarterbacks were cool, it was a running backs league. You know, running backs were the best position players in the NFL. Um, running backs were. They they were a commodity. You had to have a great running back if you had to succeed, if you wanted to succeed. That was the day where John Riggins dominated uh, and won Super Bowls. Walter Payton won Super Bowls. Even in the early 90s, Emmett Smith was winning Super Bowls. That was sort of the popular pick. If you wanted to have a Super Bowl team, it had to be headed by an elite running back. Uh, that's not the case anymore. And I think last night the New York Giants proved just that. Saquon Barkley last night, 15 carries, 6 yards. Now he had 6 catches for 60 yards, but every running back puts up uh, receiving stats every once in a while. But Saquon Barkley averaged 0.4 yards in attempt. For the longest time he had negative rushing yards against Pittsburgh last night. And that just went to show. And everyone's coming on and blaming uh, the Giants' offensive line. Oh, the Giants' offensive line was awful. That's why Saquon Barkley wasn't great. Let me just tell you this. Saquon Barkley is great. Okay, so, and, and I don't want anyone to get that twisted. I think Saquon Barkley is a great running back. Um, I think he's top five in the league. On a best day, he could be top three, uh, and you could even rank him above Ezekiel Elliott on most games. But this but last night, last night proved to all of you something I have been thinking for a long time. Running backs are the most replaceable players in the NFL nowadays. It's it's hasn't always been like that, but now it is. Running backs, they're you can get one in the draft every year, and you don't even need to use a first or second round pick to get a great running back. I mean, just think about it. You all are blaming the Giants' offensive line for Saquon Barkley's performance last night. 
That proves my point. If you're blaming an offensive line, the offensive line is what makes a running back, even if they're not very good. Look at Le'Veon Bell's offensive line. Le'Veon Bell, when he had a good offensive line in five seasons in Pittsburgh, 5,300 yards, 35 touchdowns, 4.3 yards a carry. Oh, and they he was a three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and was a legitimate threat to become the highest-paid running back. He was great. Le'Veon Bell was great. And then he went to the New York Jets. He has played 16 games in a Jets uniform, 15 last year and one so far this season. Le'Veon Bell's averaging 3.2 yards a carry, 803 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 36 less yards per game in a Jets uniform than in a Steelers uniform. <laughs> and it's only four less carries. Averaging a whole 1.1 less yard per carry with the Jets. The New York Jets have an abominable offensive line. For now two straight seasons with Le'Veon Bell, the Jets' O-line has been a disaster, asked Sam Darnold, and Le'Veon Bell's had no rushing lanes, and all of a sudden we think he stinks. Well, Le'Veon Bell sa- is the same back now that he was in Pittsburgh. The difference was offensive line play. <laughs> if you don't trust in the power of good offensive line play, just go talk to Carson Wentz. Just go talk to Sam Darnold. They'll tell you how important a good offensive line is, and so will Le'Veon Bell. And now so will Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, you get six yards on 15 carries. That's terrible. That's bottom barrel NFL stuff. But that's predictable. Behind that offensive line, you're as good as you're a running back, you're as good as your offensive line. They don't make running backs like they used to with Riggins, with Walter Payton, with Emmett Smith, with Earl Campbell. Those guys are that, that Barry Sanders, those running backs are extinct pretty much. You don't get running backs who can turn offensive line play from bad to great just by the way they play. No. It's different. It's I tell you, running backs nowadays, because of offensive line, you're as good as your offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott, if that offensive line was near the bottom of the league, Ezekiel Elliott would be among the bottom of the barrel of running backs. But his offensive line's been great for almost five straight years now to open his career. That's why Ezekiel Elliott may end up in the Hall of Fame one day. I'm telling you, you're as good as your offensive line makes you if you're a running back. They're replaceable. Here, if you don't believe me that running backs are replaceable, I just looked at the 2017 NFL rushing leaders, the top 20 rushers in 2017. This is only a few years ago. Of the top 20 rushers, only one of them is still on the same team in 2020. None of the top nine rushers are still on their team. Kareem Hunt left Kansas City for Cleveland. Todd Gurley left the Rams for Atlanta. Le'Veon Bell left Pittsburgh for the Jets. LaShawn McCoy left Buffalo for Kansas City and now Tampa Bay. Uh, Mark Ingram left New Orleans for Baltimore. Jordan Howard left Chicago for Miami. Melvin Gordon left the Chargers for Denver. Leonard Fournette left Jacksonville for Tampa. And C.J. Anderson left Denver, and he's now a free agent. Ezekiel Elliott is still on Dallas three years later. Not surprisingly, Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on the Dallas Cowboys. That's why he's still on the team. Kareem Hunt wasn't the best player on the Chiefs. That was Patrick Mahomes. That was, you know, Andy Reid sort of schemed some big plays for Kareem Hunt. Todd Gurley wasn't the best player on the Rams. Jared Goff was. Jared Goff 
at the time was a top 10 quarterback. Now I'd say he's probably 14 or 15th best in the league, but still up in the top end. Sean McCoy wasn't the best player in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor was. Okay. Leonard Fournette wasn't the best player in Jacksonville. Tons of players on that defense were. Ezekiel Elliott's better than Dak. They had no true number one receiver that year. Ezekiel Elliott's been the best player on Dallas for five straight seasons now. That's why he's still on. And that's the problem with running backs. They're no longer the best player on their team. It used to be you needed a running back. Now you need a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you're toast. Look at Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't have an offensive line, and some could argue he still doesn't even have a quarterback. Not surprisingly, the Jets are losing. They're 7-10 and since Le'Veon Bell got there. And they're going to be way worse this season because they really don't have a great coach and they don't have a great quarterback. Adding a great running back doesn't make your life better. Okay, look at Cleveland. Unproven head coach. I don't think they have a really good quarterback. Their running backs are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Guess what? They're not winning. Since the start of last year, they're 6-11. and 11. Not shocking. You can't win without a great head coach or a great quarterback, and the Browns have one of the worst ownership in the NFL. Um, Leonard Fournette. He's okay. He can run the ball, but he's never had a quarterback. Till now, Tom Brady is great. Never had great offensive line play. It's not exactly a science. Unless you're the best running back, unless you're the best player on your team, if you're a running back, you're not going to last that long with one franchise. Le'Veon Bell didn't last forever in, in Pittsburgh. Gurley didn't last forever in L.A. Kareem Hunt lasted two years in Kansas City before they said, you know what, you're gone. It's not often a guy like Zeke spends five seasons and probably more with one franchise. Okay, that's, not, that's how it used to be, but that's not how it, it is now. Saquon Barkley, 15 carries, 6 yards last night, proved to me that he's not enough for the Giants to be successful. They need a better O-line. They need better play from their quarterback, who committed two more turnovers last night. He's been a turnover machine since he got to the NFL, Daniel Jones. And they maybe need better leadership at head coach than Joe Judge. They need a lot more. Saquon Barkley is not the answer. That's why I would never use a top three pick on a running back. Because he'll be gone in four years anyway. Or six years, he'll take his fifth-year option, you'll hand him the franchise tag, and then you'll let him walk. Six years, then he's basically done after that anyway. Unless he's Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson. But those are so rare. That's what happens. Running backs... They're not the way they used to be. They're not hot commodities like they used to be. I guarantee you, Ezekiel Elliott walks out the door at the end of the season in Dallas. They sign, let's say the Cowboys sign a guy like Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman immediately becomes a top eight, top six running back in the league with that offensive line. That's the science. That's, that's the trick. Running backs are special. Every running back is talented. Okay, if you're, if you're willing to withstand brutal hits every time you touch the ball, running backs, yeah, that's what they do. And they're all very talented. Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley, they're all still very talented players. And I think in the right situation, any running back can succeed. Any running back. Look at Damian Williams. Damian Williams bounced around the NFL. Then he went to Kansas City, had a great play caller in Andy Reid. Very good offensive line and the best quarterback in the NFL. Oh, Damian Williams can actually play. 
Go figure. The best running backs sort of just work out with the best coaches and the best O-lines. You don't need a great running back to win Super Bowls, folks. Damian Williams is the last running back to win a Super Bowl. Do you know who was the running back on New England when they won the Super Bowl two years ago? Sony Michelle. The last four starting running backs to win, excuse me, the last six starting running backs to win Super Bowls. Damian Williams, Sonny Michelle, Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, C.J. Anderson, and LeGarrette Blunt again. 2013, it was Marshawn Lynch. 2012, it was Ray Rice. 2011, it was Ahmad Bradshaw. 2010, for Green Bay, that Aaron Rodgers running back was James Starks. Only running back that had carries. That was their running back. 2009, they had Reggie Bush. 2008, Richard Mendenhall. 2007, Brandon Jacobs. 2006, Joe Adai. That's the last 15 starting running backs to win Super Bowls. And everybody's acting like they got to go out and get a Saquon Barkley or an Ezekiel Elliott or a Le'Veon Bell or a Todd Gurley if they want to win a Super Bowl. Look at the top running backs that are in the league right now. Derrick Henry has only been as far as, the, as getting blown out in the AFC Championship game in f- four years. That's the best he's ever done. Ezekiel Elliott's never been to a conference championship game. Okay, There's uh, Le'Veon Bell. He's only been to one conference championship. Hmm. Todd Gurley, been to a Super Bowl but lost. See, that's not... You see what I'm sort of getting at? Nick Chubb's never been to the playoffs. Christian McCaffrey's never won a playoff game. Leonard Fournette's never been to a Super Bowl. Dalvin Cook has never been to a conference championship game. You know... Are you seeing what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't. A great team is not dictated by a great running back. Look at the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott's their best player. They've gone four years with him and never made it to an NFC Championship game, despite them having incredible rosters. That's what happens when your running back's better than your quarterback. When Leonard Fournette was better than Blake Bortles, they were never a Super Bowl threat, despite how great that defense was. And they have some young, underrated receivers and a Pretty solid coaching staff. Blake Bortles was too big of a problem for them. When your running back's better than your quarterback, you're going to lose. That's what happens. Or when your running back's the best, the, one of the most highest-paid player on the team. That's not going to happen. It's not going to win. Le'Veon Bell wasn't the best player on those Steelers teams. Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown were better. They were more impactful on the game. That's why the Steelers looked at Le'Veon Bell and said, We don't need you. Because we got a- Antonio Brown. We got A.B. Le'Veon Bell's great, but we could replace him with James Conner and Benny Snell, and we'll st- we'd still be great. And they are. Steelers still have a great offense without Le'Veon Bell. The only reason they didn't last year was because Big Ben was injured. That was why. <laughs> they, they still literally almost went to the playoffs a couple of years ago without Le'Veon Bell. Their first year without Le'Veon Bell. Two years without him, they've almost made the playoffs twice without him. That just goes to show you how important he is. He's not the best player on that team. When Ezekiel Elliott was out, guess what? The Cowboys were like a 500 team without Ezekiel Elliott. Now, they're basically a 500 team with him, but they were slightly worse without him because he's the best player. That's what happens when you invest too much in a running back. Tennessee's going to struggle with that with Derrick Henry because they just paid him. Derrick Henry is better than Ryan Tannehill, and the Titans are never going to be a legit Super Bowl threat with him until they get a real quarterback, until they have a great head coach. Mike Vrabel's good, not great as a head coach in this league. That's the bottom line. That's what happens.
one on a running back tangent. Kudos to you if you're still listening after all of that. Uh, Daniel Jones, good. 6.8 yards in attempt, two interceptions. Not terrific. Uh, Threw his first career red zone pick last night against the Steelers. Uh, Big Ben, boy, is he back. 229 yards, three touchdowns, two of them to Smith-Schuster. Fun to see Juju Smith-Schuster back in the fold, isn't it? Thought last year it can't be a legit number one receiver. Last night, six catches, 69 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, he can be a number one wide receiver. He looked pretty good. Caught all of his targets. Uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington. That guy, Chase Claypool, for the Steelers last night. He looked pretty good. Um, They don't really have a tight end. Eric Ebron only had one catch. Um, The other game, uh, Tennessee and Denver. Uh, Yeah, I actually think Drew Locke outplayed Ryan Tannehill last night. Drew Locke was great. He had one big drop by Jerry Judy uh, in the third quarter or I guess it was the fourth quarter, that turned out really costly in a game that was really tight. 16-14 final, Titans 1-0, Broncos 0-1. The big story last night was Vic Fangio. Uh, Tennessee running the two-minute drill, looked like they were driving down the field to kick the game-winning field goal. Uh, Titans kicker Steven Gaskowski missed three field goals and an extra point, but ended up nailing the game winner um, from... Only 25 yards out, but still, he was he went one for four from field goals and one for two on extra points, uh, nailing two of your six kicks. It's not great stuff. Um, but Vic Fangio, in the two-minute drill, had all three of his timeouts, and as Ryan Tannehill led the Titans down the field and just soaked away that clock, Vic Fangio refused to call timeouts. He just said, you know what, we're going to trust that our guys are going to stop Steven Guskowski from nailing a chip shot field goal. Now, Steven Guskowski is one of the best kickers, I'd say. He's a top 10 kicker all time. All those Super Bowl with the Patriots, all those years in New England, replacing a legend and a surefire Hall of Famer in Adam Vinatieri. Guskowski comes in Tennessee, has, a, has some rapport with head coach Mike Vrabel. They were teammates for like two or three years in New England. But the Vic Fangio, what are you doing? You got all three of your timeouts, and you just let Tennessee go right down in your red zone and throw these short passes. I mean, they were working the short passing game, the intermediate crossing patterns, like it was their job on your defense, and you're just holding on to your timeouts. Guess what? To every coach that doesn't use their timeouts in critical situations, those timeouts are not coming back to you next game. You're not going to have six timeouts in the first half of the next game. Those three timeouts expire one way or another. (laughs) One way or another, those timeouts are not bleeding over into the next game. So use them. If you want a chance to give your young quarterback some confidence, that was more of a, I trust that this kicker is going to miss a field goal over my quarterback leading the team, leading the offense down the field for a game-winning kick. And guess what? Drew Locke was doing that, except... They didn't have any time. When Drew Locke got the football, they had under 20 seconds left to play. But Denver had all three of their timeouts with 17 seconds left. Give me a break. That's why the Denver Broncos lost last night. And that's why they're just not very good. Okay, I think they're a dark horse team for sure. But last year, with Vic Fangio running things, they were 7-9. And they're 0-1 this season. 
You can be a great defensive coordinator. Sometimes you're just not ready to be a head coach. And Vic Fangio is 7-10 and 10 as a head coach in the NFL. And Drew Locke is great. He's 4-2 and two in six starts. Eight touchdowns, three picks. Drew Locke looks really good. Okay, I think he's the second-best-looking quarterback in the draft last year behind Kyler Murray. As good as Gardner Minshew has looked and as explosive as Daniel Jones' stats have looked, Drew Locke has just been solid. But his coach didn't give him a chance to win yesterday. That's what bad organizations do. And Denver's not a bad organization, but they looked bad last night. They looked like they just didn't know what to do. Three timeouts, two-minute drill, don't use one. All of a sudden, you have the ball back, 17 seconds left, down by two, but you have all three timeouts. It's like, whatever. Who cares? That's the problem. Some teams outsmart themselves. Some coaches outsmart themselves. Vic Fangio of the Broncos last night definitely outsmarted himself, and it was embarrassing. Or else Denver might have had a chance to win that game. So tonight in basketball news, I know we've had a lot of football. Football has been great this weekend. It was great having football back, uh, and I'm very excited about the rest of the season. Hope that we can pull it off. Um, Tonight, basketball, game seven between the L.A. Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Winner will face the Lakers, led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, it'll either be Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers or Jamal Murray and the Nuggets. Um, I think perfect example, this is a perfect example of a basketball team. This happens all the time in seven-game series of a team looking ahead to the next round. The Clippers didn't respect the Nuggets in this round. They didn't. And they might lose the series after being up 3-1 because they were looking ahead to LeBron. They were looking ahead to the Lakers because the Lakers are the big threat. The Clippers didn't look on their schedule early this season and thought, oh, Denver's going to be more of a threat than the Lakers. No. And they were up 3-1, and they were like, okay, we just need to, win more. We need to win one more game. We've been killing these guys all series. We're going to win one more game. And they just went lethargic the last two games and let the Nuggets win both of them. All of a sudden, they're in Game 7. They won't have the rest that they were expecting, and they have to ramp it up. The Nuggets are a young, talented, physical team. Okay, and they can score. They've got legitimate scores. Like Jamal Murray struggled earlier in this series, but against the Jazz in round one, he was electric. Okay, and that's not even the that's just one player. Nikola Jokic in game sevens has more points per game, more assists per game, more rebounds per game than Kawhi Leonard does in game sevens. And Kawhi Leonard's the guy everybody's talking about. Kawhi Leonard has a slightly better field goal percentage in game sevens than Nikola Jokic. Sample sizes are tiny. You know, Kawhi's probably been in more Game 7s. But Kawhi Leonard in Games 1 through 6, he has just .2 more points per game than Jokic. .3 more assists per game. He has 3 less rebounds per game. And guess what? He's shooting 6% worse than Jokic in this series. Uh, Clippers have been the better team the entire series. Uh, I'm going to pick them to win Game 7, but, I mean, it's Game 7. It could go either way. If it's gone this far, it could go either way. The Nuggets could obviously win, but I think the best chance to dethrone LeBron and the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals would be the Clippers. I think the TV people are hoping the Clippers win. Battle of L.A., Western Conference Finals, Clippers' first trip to the Conference Finals in franchise history. It would be nice. Um... By the way, isn't that crazy? 50 years as a franchise, they've never made the conference finals. 
all those players, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, they never could make it to a conference finals, even with Doc Rivers. So tonight would be great uh, if they won, but always rooting for the underdog. I'm going to pick the Clippers, but root for the Nuggets in this Game 7. Predict a Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Clippers. And uh, I will make my prediction once that happens, once a winner is crowned tonight and how they do it. So we have more data uh, ahead of predicting the Western Conference Finals. So now uh, is a new part of the show. I'm going to try and do this every Tuesday where I pick the standout star players in the NFL every week. And this week there were a lot of star players. I'm going to rank the top five performances, one through five, starting with five, ending with one every week. Um, I think my list is pretty good, and here we go. Number five. Uh, I'm going to go with Chase Young, D-lineman for the Washington football team. Got a sack and a half and a forced fumble in his NFL debut against Carson Wentz. Look, you know, people were sort of talking in the offseason. Maybe Washington would go quarterback to replace Dwayne Haskins after one year. I said give it time, give Haskins another year, uh, and go and get the best player in the draft, and that's Chase Young. Washington did. He's got two great defensive-minded head coaches and head coach Ron Rivera and D coordinator Jack Del Rio, and look out. He is a force to be reckoned with. What a difference the best <laughs> the best pass rusher in the draft makes on your team. The Washington football team, got still got to get used to saying that, uh, got to Carson Wentz eight times and were able to get three turnovers off of him, and a big part of that was Chase Young. Almost had two sacks and really came close to a second forced fumble in the game. He's the fifth best performance that I saw in week one. All right, number four, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins, receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. New place, same old new Hopkins. Uh, better quarterback situation than he had the first few years of his career when he had guys like Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett throwing him passes and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, look. Now you have Deshaun Watson and now Kyler Murray. How things change. DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches uh, in his Cardinals debut. Came close to his first touchdown. Had 151 receiving yards against one of the better defenses in the league in San Francisco. Another division rival. But on the road against the reigning NFC champs, DeAndre Hopkins was money on a game where really Kyler Murray had nothing else going on outside of throwing to Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, best receiver in the NFL. He proved it yet again yesterday. Came very close to adding a touchdown to what was an exceptional day uh, for not just him, but the whole Arizona Cardinals. He'll get Washington next week, speaking of Chase Young. Uh, Number three, I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Was not expecting it, 19 of 20. Uh, threw three touchdown passes and had 173 yards. Uh, also had five carries for 19 yards. Gardner Minshew can play. I had him ranked in my low-end quarterbacks entering the year, but look at his number 13 starts, 7-6 and six record, 24 touchdowns, only six picks. Gardner Minshew can play, and he proved it yesterday. He looked awfully good. Um, and, yeah, he's. I thought he had the third-best performance because number one and two – yeah, it's kind of easy for one and two. Uh, number two, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was flawless. There's no other way to slice it. Aaron Rodgers was absolutely flawless against 
in my opinion, one of the better defenses in the NFL, Minnesota. I know they lost some key guys. Uh, Everson Griffin left Minnesota for the Cowboys, but so the, they were down a pass rusher, but Minnesota has still got a great defensive coach in Mike Zimmer, and they've still got pieces on that defense where they could still end up being a top-eight defense this year. Aaron Rodgers still 364 yards, four touchdowns. It was not even close. They blew him out. He completed 73% of his passes and averaged almost 8.5 yards per pass against a division rival, the Vikings, on the road. One of the better defenses in the league. Aaron Rodgers still got it. He's, he's amazing. Still is. Always is. Number one, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson. Goodness. 31 of 35, 322 yards, four touchdown passes. Uh, he's a machine. He's, a, he's an absolute machine. I think he's the best football player on the planet. I think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retires today. Super Bowl champ. Look, the Falcons... They're good, but they were playing in their stadium, uh, in their new uniforms, and I think they have an improved defense. I think that's a team that's oftentimes played for their coach, Dan Quinn, uh, even when Dan Quinn doesn't deserve And Matt Ryan, 450 yards and two touchdowns. He was great, but Russell Wilson was just absolutely perfect in this one. Uh, did not miss. They have receivers with DK Metcalf, and they'll get Josh Gordon back. Oh, and they added Greg Olson. And they've got Tyler Lockett, and Chris Carson's a great back out of the backfield and running the football. Oh, and they added Carlos Hyde. Russell Wilson may have the best skill set of receivers and running backs in his career. That includes when he had Marshawn Lynch and Doug Baldwin. This this might be, Seattle might be the best team in their division after seeing what San Francisco had to offer and seeing that the Rams are just sort of okay. They're just a good offensive team, but Jared Goff is regressing. Russell Wilson's one of the best football players I've ever seen. I think he's the best right now on the planet. He's one of the best quarterbacks in all of football over the last almost decade. Yeah, he was the best. So anyway, yes, that is what just happened. The NFL Week 1 is over. Thursday night football, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals to kick off Week 2 of the NFL season. Second career start for Joe Burrow uh, and... Baker Mayfield looking to get back on track. He is 12-18 and 18 with 36 interceptions uh, in his first 30 starts. He'll look to get back on track against division rival Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow will look for his first NFL win against division rival Cleveland. Um, Denver and the L.A. Clippers. Game 7 of the second round of the Western Conference playoffs tonight for a chance to play the Lakers with LeBron James. Uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Week 2 of the NFL season starts Thursday, continues Sunday and Monday, uh, and that is the week of sports. Tomorrow, hope to do a mailbag episode. We'll post something on my Instagram story later. If you can follow me, at Jacob Valier. That's at J-A-C-O-B-V-A-L-L-I-E-R-E on Instagram, and uh, we will hope to do that tomorrow. But for the meantime, this is the Jadavit Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valier, and thank you for listening on a Tuesday. Hope you have a good Second day of the week.